1: it is not the result that we wanted. It's the Eagles will have to wait at least one more week to lock away the one seed. They fall to the Cowboys 34 to 40 on Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas Eagles fans. Uh, I'm joined today for the post game reaction show by Johnny Page uh, and it is actually Christmas Johnny where you're at. So merry Christmas to you. I wish the Eagles had gotten you a better gift.
2: Yeah. So those of you watching it is currently uh, gone midnight. So it is officially Christmas. Um I don't even know we're going to talk about that game. I am. Um, I think we were just chatting off air, but that was mentally draining. That was, um, yeah. Thank goodness that wasn't a playoff game because this podcast would go off the rails if that was the case. Because yeah,
1: it was just a roller coaster from from the from the first possession. Josh Sweat gets the pick six, and I was ready to. I was ready to just have a party, even though there were fifty five minutes left in the game, and then I immediately thought. This is kind of like the Saints playoff game several years ago where they got the 14-point lead. Let's rein it in a little bit. It went back and forth. And and I even to the very end, like the Eagles get the ball back down three. And I said, I, I'm fully confident. If they don't throw the ball to Quez Watkins, I'm fully confident that they can go win this game. And then Miles Sanders fumbles, and Mike McCarthy makes the ludicrous decision to kick the field goal. And I'm like, I still think they're going to win this game all the way down to the last play. I never really stopped believing, but... Uh, it was a mess of a game. Um, I guess we can we can get into the offense or the defense first. It doesn't really matter to me. L- let's just stick with the offense. Uh, so Gardner Minshew comes in, and you don't expect a guy to come in off the bench having not played and, and, and carry your team. And, you know, I thought Minshew was fine. He was a little shell-shocked, I thought, in the first half. I thought he really settled in and made some nice throws in the second half. He ends 24 of 40 for 355 yards, two touchdowns. And of course, two interceptions, uh, both of which I would place the blame on Quez Watkins for. I thought Minshew played fine, you know, for a backup quarterback coming in. But you're not going to survive a four turnover game when you've got a backup in. And even at that, they still came close. So uh, the biggest takeaway for me offensively, I think, is just how important Jalen Hurts is to the running game. This is a Cowboys front that you should be able to run on. And the Eagles ran the ball for three yards per carry. Without Hertz's threat of pulling the ball, it was just a disaster in the running game all night.
2: Yeah, it's a really weird game, actually, because, I mean, some of you may have seen, anyone watching, that I just tweeted saying, I, I genuinely think this team could win a Super Bowl with Minch, which I would not have said at halftime. But I really did think he played well in the second half. Um, huge credit to him. Devonta Smith is, I mean, he played better than I, I, I ever thought he could play, to be completely honest. Um, this Cowboys defense, Shane, they, they came as the game third in EPA per play on defense. Um, third in passing yards given up per game. Fourth in yards per pass attempt. I mean, this is a good pass defense. And the Eagles shredded them with a backup quarterback. But they don't stop the run that well. And I'm. this is a game more than anything that I want to see the All-22. But what it looked like to me was that the Eagles are playing a very zone-heavy run game, which surprised me a little bit um We didn't see as much like pinball or much sweep. And I think some of that is because Minchu's really good at throwing the ball from the RPO game. So we saw the first drive, we saw the RPO slant to AJ Brown, and then the very next play, or a couple of plays later, they come back and hit him with a sluggo. Minchu reads those plays really well. But when they actually hand the ball off, there's just no, there's nothing to hold the edge defender. The edge defender just came crashing down time and time again on um, whoever the running back was, Miles Sanders or whoever. And I was a bit surprised the Eagles just couldn't line up and just run it down them. And I don't know if the offensive line didn't play as well in the run game or Sanders bounced a few outside that I sort of questioned. It was just, it was a bit disappointing that the run game couldn't get going. But I'm saying that the Eagles scored like 30-odd points and (laughs) they looked dominant on offense. The EPA numbers are ridiculous, um, ridiculously high again. so it was just a really weird game on offense. I, I sort of think it went about as well as it possibly could. I thought Minshew came out really messy and frantic and scattershot, and then he just settled and the game just dropped to his level. And at the end, I was all, I was like you, I was almost surprised they didn't win, weirdly enough. Even when they are on fourth and 10, I was thinking, yeah, I think Minshew could do this. Um, they've just got two elite receivers. I mean, Dallas Scott. Some of the, the plays he made, again, are just outrageous. You've just got three unbelievably good offensive weapons. And if you throw Jalen Hurts back in that mix, this team is going to be so, so good in the postseason. I just hope Lane Johnson's injury is not severe. I hope AJ Brown is feeling okay because he got a few whacks today. Um, And I hope Jalen Hurts comes back healthy. Um, But as frustrating as it was, I think tomorrow... Maybe I should be because I'm Christmas. I'll be a bit happier about the trend of that game because I think overall to do that to that Cowboys defense is pretty impressive when you look at the Cowboys numbers going into it.
1: Yeah, you look at the offense and and granted Dallas is stacking injuries at cornerback. Uh, they their slot corner is out. They're on like their they like their third option at their second cornerback position. Which you know, not that the Eagles are rolling out full a full starting defense right now, but they're down several guys in the secondary and the Eagles had Trevon Diggs' number all night. They got him on several double moves and you know, they used his aggressiveness against him, which you can do. He's going to make plays and he's going to give up plays. And I was impressed with the passing attack, uh, especially once Minshew settled down, what's going to forever be seared in my brain is how jittery he was on that fourth and 10, where he just created pressure. Like he looked like Jalen hurts did at times last year, just scared of pressure that wasn't there. But by and large, I thought he did really good against the Blitz, like that cover zero throw that he put out there to Devonta Smith. I thought the passing attack was really good. My, my quibble with the passing attack is targeting Quez Watkins five times. Uh, he, he targeted Quez five times. He has one reception for 19 yards and two interceptions, uh, both of which I would say were on Quez. They were his fault. And meanwhile, Dallas Goddard only has three targets on the day. And, you know, it's Goddard's first game back. Maybe you're trying to ease him in a little bit, but I felt like that, you know, Goddard should be getting more of those reps and just get Quez Watkins off the field. Like we can go back and talk about some of the plays that Quez Watkins have made that have been good. You know, he makes some dynamic plays, but we can also go back to last week, the the interception that was on him from Jalen Hurts. He's the result. He causes two interceptions tonight. So three interceptions in the last two weeks have been his fault. If you want to go back to the uh, Commanders game, I always have to pause and think what to call them because they keep changing their name. But if you want to go back and talk about the Commanders game, Jalen Hurts puts the perfect pass on him that he dives for instead of just catching, and, and then he gets up and fumbles. So, you know, you could say that Quez Watkins is the biggest reason the Eagles have got both of their losses, and I don't understand the obsession with getting him the ball so much like at this point i would have zach Pascal ahead of him on the depth chart it's time for quez to sit down and not play so many snaps in my opinion
2: yeah um i like quez and i wrote about him i mean as i wrote about basically every single player in the offseason and i quite liked his tape from last year he's really good in the vertical game but it feels like he's giving them not a lot else Um, I know the Washington fumble, that's obviously like a mental mistake. As long as a player does that once, then I'll forgive him. Today was, there's obviously clear limitations at the catch point. Um, I think maybe some of that comes back to actually a slightly poor coaching in terms of, as you said, at some point a player is who he is and throwing him slants and comebacks. I actually thought the first interception was mainly on Minshew, to be honest, because he was late. Um and when you're late in zone, you're sort of asking for trouble. But the second one in particular, um, he's got and he the first one shouldn't be picked off at the very least. He should knock it down or be a bit stronger. Um I did not realize Dallas Goddard had three targets. Um I feel like I shouldn't complain about Yeah, I feel like I shouldn't complain about anything on offense, but that is mad. Um on, yeah. on the
1: on the first on the first to your point on the first interception. And I tweeted out that clip and I said, you know, Minshew is like he's way late coming to that for sure. But at the same time, it's still a guy coming off of Quez's back hip that comes over slash around him and intercepts that like Minshew's late. That ball should never be an interception, though. Yeah. And it's just that that was frustrating. But that second one, like that's about as perfectly thrown of a ball as you can get on a slant the guys on your back pocket your back hip like that's exactly where that ball should have been and it just got ripped away from and as soon as that as soon as that interaction started i knew like as soon as as soon as he reached out and the defender had hands on it too i knew it was an interception you just yeah. knew.
2: yeah and credit the cowboys um, unfortunately defensive backs as well because they were pretty ridiculous um they were pretty ridiculous um, interceptions. Yeah, I think maybe they should go back and look at, I think using Quez, part of it is the idea that they want the vertical speed out there. I don't mind that, but maybe you use him as a shot play only um, type receiver. I think maybe as they self-scout, I mean, they're going to have time to self-scout, assuming that they win a game pretty soon. They're going to have a nice break without Hurts, And when they go and self-scout, and I assume they will, and they look at what they've done, I would imagine they will look at that and think that is something they can get away from. Um, I think, as you've said, you've got Zach Pascal. You can use him easily. You can even use a tight end out there if you really want. Ground um, um Calcaterra is right? not, he's built like a sort of big wide receiver anyway. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think I wouldn't disagree. Um, I'm sure there's loads of things we want to talk on, but can we just talk about Devontae Smith as well quickly? Because, I mean, I've been, not, I mean, that's not fair, I've not been critical of Devontae Smith at all, but I've always been like AJ Brown is 1A. And Devontae Smith is one B. And I think it's, and I still think that to be fair. I think AJ Brown is probably a top three or four receiver in the league. But Devontae Smith might be a top, well, I don't know, seven or eight. I mean, he is incredibly good. That was one of those games that if we had won that game, we'd have we looked back on that. That is a that is a wide receiver taking over. Um, he just took over that game. The, the couple of catches he made towards the end, and the one on the sideline, the one in the middle of the field, he got hit really hard early on. He plays so much bigger than he is. And it is incredibly exciting um, to think long term about how good this core, because whatever happens to the Eagles next few years, and they're going to have to make cap decisions. Jalen Hurts, Devontae Smith, AJ Brown and Dallas Goddard. Those four players are going to be there. Um, there's no way they won't be. And that is incredibly exciting to think about how good that team is going to be moving forward because he was incredible today. And. Um, yeah, I just think it's worth mentioning amongst all the negativity that we're going to get to soon when we get to the defense. Um, it's worth just throwing out how good he was today.
1: His body control on the sidelines just so good. Like there, I feel like every week there's a throw that it goes to the sideline. I'm like, there's no way that's a catch. And he always catches it and gets his toes down. Just incredible. And he, I, he's got no fear. And he absolutely should but he's a fearless player going up over the middle of the field that that dagger route that he caught on the final drive and takes a big hit there was another one just he's so good with body control and and I feel like he and AJ Brown they complement each other so well yeah. uh, just you talk about like building your your wide receiver room like you would a basketball team you want different body types and different sorts of players and and the way those two guys play it just complements each other so well and, and even that that cover zero touchdown that Minshew threw on the fourth down, that's why you can't do that. There's not a team in the NFL that can cover both A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith on the same play from off coverage. You just can't do it. One of them will get open. It, it, it's There's no doubt about it.
2: Yeah, I completely forgot about that touchdown. It's almost insane. I've got three catches off my head, as you said. The one where he got hit really hard, and then the two on the final drive, and I completely forgot about how – I mean, he runs that route with ease. If you play off coverage against it with inside leverage, it's good night. And the way um the Eagles use both their receivers is very clever. Um, a lot of people talk about scheme and what does scheme really mean in the NFL. Scheme to me is basically it's a matchup league, still so always will be, always will be a matchup league. Scheme is about just giving your players chances, put them in good positions to make good plays, and that's what the Eagles do. They line them up all over the place, sometimes they're out wide, sometimes they're inside, sometimes they're on the same side, and it's so difficult um to match up to them. And yeah, they're just incredibly talented. I'm I'm not even sure AJ Brown was fully healthy, to be completely honest, after that first um, big catch in the first drive, because he didn't really show up the rest of the way um, as much as maybe he could have. But I just think in and amongst the negativity tonight, just remember how good those guys are. Um, um, especially Devontae Smith, yeah, he went to a different level. I didn't think he had that game in him, so fair play.
1: Yeah, you talk about the Cowboys' defense. They're third in DVOA. They're third in EPA per play. They're seventh in points per game allowed. And the, the Eagles put up, what, 27 points offensively. Obviously, they've got the pick six, so they get to 34. But 27 points on the road on a short week with your backup quarterback against a defense that good. Like, the offense played really well, I thought. And if not for the turnovers, if not for turning the ball over four times, I mean, did, did they even punt? I don't even think the Eagles punted tonight. They scored I, or turned the ball over on every drive.
2: Yeah, I don't think they did. And like, I feel like as people who analyze the game, it's just so hard to look at turnovers. I think most people accept that turnovers are partly luck. You obviously have to coach it. But Miles Sanders is not a guy who fumbles a lot. He's probably trying to make a play at the end. Obviously, they do come back to players like Quest Watkins. We've said that is a common theme now. The coaches have to look at that and they cannot throw slants or hitches to Quest Watkins in contested situations. That has to be a coaching point. But some of them are a bit lucky. I mean, when Sanders fumbles, we can't fall on the ball. When Dak fumbles, Linval Joseph literally has the ball in his hands. And I don't even know what happened under that pile. The turnovers are partly lucky. Um, so if we separate that from that offensive performance, as you said, the fact they didn't even punt, go and look. I know the Cowboys have got injuries, but look at their numbers overall this year. Um, that's a good defence. It's a very good defence. And the Eagles just dominated them. They just, they, they won. I mean, they deserve to win that game with how they played on offence. Um, and it's just a shame that the turnovers and the big plays actually for once on defence let them down.
1: And even, you would mentioned turnover luck, even on the Miles Sanders fumble, the ball bounced right towards Jack Driscoll, and he's just not able to come up with it. So wh- when you're playing a backup quarterback, you- your margins are thin to begin with, and they just, you can't sustain that. Do they win that game if Hertz is there? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, like I said, they scored every time they didn't turn the ball over, and I wouldn't particularly put any of those turnovers on Minshew. Maybe that exchange with Scott, I don't know exactly what happened there, but Uh, unfortunate result, but overall you feel like turnovers aside, which you can't take away four plays, but if you could, the offense played really well. Get
3: ready for the greatest roast of all
0: time. The roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May
3: 5th,
1: Let's flip it over to the defensive side of the ball. Oof. So, it's going to look ugly. The defense gives up forty points. Uh, Twenty of those forty come off of turnovers. Dak goes twenty-seven of thirty-five for three hundred forty-seven yards, three touchdowns. Uh, he did have one interception, the pick-six by Josh Sweat. He was also sacked six times. So the pass rush is alive and well. the The run defense was good. Uh, the Cowboys averaged three point seven yards per carry, but. Zeke was held to 3.4. Tony Pollard held to 2.1. Their their boost in rushing came from Dak Prescott, which if Dak's going to beat you with his legs, so be it. But the real issue in this game is CeeDee Lamb, uh, 10 receptions for 120 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Once Avante Maddox went out of the game, the Eagles did what every other team did when Avante Maddox was out. They put their best receiver in the slot, and they said Josiah Scott can't cover him, and, and Josiah Scott couldn't cover him. I felt like the Eagles adjusted on that some in the second half. They started to play a little more man coverage. They stopped letting the Cowboys dictate that matchup. But it was a little bit too little too late for me. Uh, What what was your main takeaway here on defense?
2: Yeah, uh, I am really interested to look at the All-22 for this because I've got so many thoughts on the defense. But my overriding thought, and this may be um, complete rubbish when I go back and look at it, but I think – and This is weird. that We may be in a part in a sort of world now where we are overcompensating against the run, and the Eagles' defense there was phenomenal against the run. I mean, the Cowboys kept running it on early downs. I mean, EPA per play. Look at their early down runs; they're just they're not very good. Their success rate is equal at plays today, thirty-one percent. Their success rate on Tony Pollard run plays twenty-two percent. But um, Greg Olson, who was brilliant today, made a really really simple point at one point when. There was a second or third down, and Josiah Scott gave up, of course, a first down to CeeDee Lamb on a slam. But also made a really good point, which is well, the Eagles can't have a robber. They haven't got a hole defender, whatever you want to call it, lurk, robber. Normally, you play cover one, you've got one deep safety, you've got a guy in the middle of the field. So when you run that slam, you run straight into somebody. The Eagles don't have that player because they play five-man fronts all the time now. We are essentially, I mean, I'd love to know the numbers today about how many times they lined up on a five-man front, but it felt like they cannot live now in a four-man front world. And although that's brilliant, I thought Linval Joseph was excellent today. Um, the five-man front worked. The Eagles fans can stop complaining. They can stop the run. Everything's great. But I've actually said for a while, if you've read um, while I've been writing, I think I've said it a couple of times on the podcast as well, that when you play a five-man front, yes, one of them can drop into coverage, Sweat or Reddick, but it's not easy to do. They're starting from a front-on position. They can't just drop back easily and outnumber you in pass coverage. Neither of them are great past coverage uh, players. You can't do it with Brandon Graham. You can't do it with anyone else except Reddick, really. So you now have six men in coverage. And football's a numbers game. So I, it's almost weird to say the Eagles were too good against the run. That sounds like a stupid comment to make. But the Eagles are playing a sister at the moment where they are down one man in coverage a lot of the time. Um, and I think that is impacting them. And then we can go back to a whole philosophical dis- discussion about should they just change everything they do, play two-man and stick Slay on Lamb and just make him follow him? Maybe they should. I like to think they've, they know what they're doing. I still think Jonathan Gannon's a good coach. And must- there's obviously a reason. I mean, the reason is because philosophically, that's not what the Eagles want to do on defence. They want to cover guys like Lamb by having two over one or four over three when Lambs for the free wide receiver side. And they just can't do it because they don't have the numbers at the moment because they're playing five, uh, they're playing five down linemen at all times. There are also plays today like the third and thirty that just look like Slay just switched off. Um he just got beat over the top, which just can't happen. That's not on your defensive coordinator. But there's a lot of things today that I'm not really happy about. It seemed too easy, but then you saw James Bradbury get beat by CD Lamb as well. So are you going to double him even when you've got james bradbury on him or are you going to just accept that sometimes really good players make really good plays um yeah i've got loads i've got all i could say over defense it was incredibly annoying but that's my big takeaway is do we need to see a bit more four-man fronts and people are going to get annoyed at that because thinking duncan's going to come back but they were so good against the run today and yet they got killed they gave up a stupid amount of points so do we need to go back old school old school gallon stopping the run isn't that important like give up five yards to carry i don't know it's just something to think about i think long term about what you do against these elite offenses
1: you and i have joked about that on twitter before that you want to you want a defensive coordinator that can be plus one in the box while also having two safeties deep and uh, you, there's just the numbers don't work unless you have 12 or 13 guys on the field like i always said early in the season that The Eagles couldn't stop the run because of structural decisions that they made. It wasn't because they're incapable of doing it. It's because they didn't value doing it. And I agree with you. In watching this game, it felt like they lived in five-man fronts. And yes, the Cowboys have Ezekiel Elliott. And yes, they've got Tony Pollard. But they've also got Dak Prescott and CeeDee Lamb. And CeeDee Lamb was carving you up. At a certain point, I would rather you run the ball, shorten a game, especially when the Eagles have a backup quarterback. Like you're not trying to get in a shootout here. You don't expect, if your offense goes and scores 34 points with a backup quarterback, you you say you did your job and you should win the game. And so I'm with you. I felt like they were a little too dependent on five-man fronts. I felt like they were slow to switch into more man coverage and stop allowing the Cowboys to dictate CeeDee Lamb on Josiah Scott. But by the same token, that's just their defensive philosophy and that's not the easiest thing to shift on a dime I, that's something i expected them to change a little bit coming out in the second half and they did it's just hard to lose a guy who's so integral to your defense in the first quarter and then make that switch immediately um and so i didn't necessarily fault what happened in the second quarter and i thought in the second half the eagles defense was better uh, you know they come out and they get the three and out on the first drive they got they got some stops but ultimately it's just a little bit too little, too late, especially with the D de- or with the offense continually turning the ball over. I mean, I
2: think the defense probably wins the game for us if Linvar Joseph falls on that Prescott's fumble. I think Reddick done it. I think Reddick made the play that would have won us the game. Um we've got a comment there from YouTube from Josh saying about how bad the zone coverage was. Yeah, it just it didn't and I, I really struggle actually with the um the Gannon discussion because I don't think this defense was obviously good today. I mean, what can I say? And the Eagles have not played great offenses this year and you have to accept that. But you watch this defense play every week when they're in third and long, you watch the way that secondary communicates. They're phenomenal. And for some reason, and this is something that that anyone who says they know what happened on that play, whether they're blaming Slay or Josiah Scott is wrong because you have no idea what the call is. It looks like cover three, on, I'm talking about the first Ceedee Lamb touchdown, but you have to remember that the way the Eagles play coverage is they shout things at each other. You, I mean, if Josiah Scott has seen an out route, I don't know what the call is. I'm not in the, I'm not in the room, but he will shout something. He will say alert or switch or whatever, and Slay will know. And when Scott is in the game, the communication is not there, and it's not, it's not an anti-Scott point. I think we know he can't win man coverage against Ceedee Lamb in the slot. But guess what, by the way, anyone who thinks easily just put Slay on him. If you're playing a five-man front and you have got slay with outside leverage in the slot on cd lamb i think cd might beat him with slants as well um I, i'm not saying it's, it's not if it was that easy everyone would do it it's not always no, that easy um to as stop you mentioned there's
1: against. just there's no help over the middle and exactly even even cd lamb aside the problem with going man coverage out of those five-man fronts and i think you mentioned it earlier but TJ Edwards can't cover a tight end on an end breaking route without a robber to help him. And you know, they had a big reception down in the red zone that was just that. They went into man coverage, but it's a 5-man front, so you've got a safety deep, but he can't help on a crossing route from a tight end and and Dalton Schultz is going to eat TJ Edwards lunch on that every time. And so, you know, that's part of the problem with the we'll just man it. That creates other problems that, that you then have to solve. Yeah, there are
2: so many problems. Uh, you can't, uh, it sounds very easy. Solutions aren't easy in football. They never are, otherwise everyone would do them. Um, the other problem is the Eagles have obviously lost two slot players because Maddox has obviously got a lingering issue that I'm not convinced where he'll be. I think another issue is obviously we've lost them, do you want to guard the Johnson? And I think if Reed Blankenship's healthy in the playoffs, you play him at safety and you move um, John T. Gunner-Johnson to slot cornerback, because to me, they're the best two secondary players out of, you don't want Scott on the field and Reed Blankenship sitting on the sideline, for example. So it's really difficult, um, the zone coverage aspect of it, but the Eagles coverage is normally very good. So I want to go back and see what happened. There were some plays that were just maddening, like the third and 30, you can't do anything about. There were other plays when they got James Bradbury on CD Lamb, and he beat him. So it's not as easy as just put James Bradbury on them. Some normally what the Eagles do structurally in the Justin Jefferson game in the start of the year was brilliant is they sort of bracket you because they always play one man over. So for anyone who understands the way zone coverage works, the idea is that let's say it's a three by one formation. The Eagles will be two over one and four over three. It's a basic numbers game and the way they pass off the route, which is brilliant. And they normally can double receivers that way without actually doubling receivers. But I go back to it. When you have a five-man front, you lose a man in coverage. It's harder to do. And when you're not supremely talented in all positions, like I know the Eagles are very talented, but when you've got a Josiah Scott on the field, that is a weakness. Um, And if you go straight up man coverage, he can get beat by other receivers as well. Um, Cowboys could do other things. They could move Gallup around. They could move Noah Brown around. I mean, it's not, and I'm not making excuses for Gallup here because I think he probably should have. (laughs) I'd have liked to have seen it. And if it didn't work, then don't do it. But there are lots of other issues with the way this Eagles defense wants to work. This Eagles defense is, bait, is built on being too high. That is how they run. The idea is they're too high and every coverage looks the same. And then post-snap, they rotate into different things. And it has worked brilliantly at times. It didn't work today. The only positive is I do think this is a smart defensive staff overall, not just Gannon. And This is brilliant tape for the playoffs because the Cowboys aren't changing. The Cowboys haven't got another receiver like Amari Cooper, who's injured. It's not like the Eagles who can get better personnel back. The Cowboys injuries are on the other side of the the ball. The Cowboys are not going to get better at the skill positions. This is their team. That is their quarterback one. That is their two running backs. That's their best tight ends. That's their best receivers. And the Eagles have got tape of exactly what the Cowboys want to do to their defense now. And if they do meet again in the playoffs, they've got a month to look at that film. And they better go back. And they better be studying it. And they better not come out in the playoffs if we better can was again and give up eight catches to cd dam because there are structural things you can do differently and that's the only positive from how bad this defensive performance is is the eagles have got to learn from that like they can't go back in with that same game plan um there are lots of things they could do differently i do wish they tried a bit more man coverage but as we've said it's not always easy um Elite skill players win games. Look at what the Eagles do with two of them the past month—just double AJ Brown and Devontae Smith. Well, no, it's, the, the world doesn't work like that. It's not that easy. That Prescott can also move. If you want to play too high man coverage all day long, he will escape the pocket. It's—it's um, it's, defense isn't easy. Um, elite skill players in the modern world are so important. And if anyone doesn't believe that, just literally look at the Eagles and how good they are because of two elite wide receivers. Um, it's incredibly frustrating. They do have a problem, this defence, with elite slot receivers. We saw it last year with Mike Evans. The Bucks moved him inside. It's a structural weakness that's... He's always going to be there to an extent because the best two cornerbacks are outside. But if Maddox is healthy and doesn't get injured, if Jaunty Gardner-Johnson even is fit today, then I think it could be a different result. But that's football. You get injuries and the coaching staff needs to adapt and i'm sort of looking forward to seeing how they adapt and i'm also looking forward to watching this film this week um to see sort of what they did when it worked and what they what it just outright didn't work um yeah that's pretty much it i can't think of anything else on the defense that i really want to point out
1: yeah talking about all the defensive things that you can do and yeah the old the old saying goes that he who wins is he who holds the clipboard last. I mean, there's adjustments you can make. And every every everything you can do can be countered. And it just comes down to, you know, on the whiteboard, whoever's holding that marker last, they're going to win the play call. And so it's all about the adjustments and the adjustments to the adjustments. And that's one thing I feel like the Eagles staff on both sides of the ball has done well this year is making those in-game adjustments. And sometimes they're slower than you want to see, but I always feel like in the second half, I feel like the Eagles win the second halves of games. Like, sometimes the defense doesn't start pretty. Sometimes the offense doesn't start pretty. But I feel like down the stretch, the team usually hits their stride. And, you know, aside from some turnovers, I thought we saw that today. The defense played better in the second half. Um, Ultimately, you could say it's too little too late. Too many, too many balls don't bounce your way, uh, and it's a frustrating result. And you know, it's especially a frustrating result because it's Christmas Eve, and now I've got to go to my family's house, <laughs> who's all Cowboys fans, and that's going to be oh, awesome. But uh, so, speaking of frustration, let's bring Rachelle in because I'm sure Twitter is frustrated with that one. Um, Let's hear what the people have to say about the three words. I will say I am thankful that the Eagles gave us somebody else to be mad at because, you know, we always fire somebody on this podcast, and I've always said eventually it's going to be me if the Eagles keep playing good. So hopefully we're firing somebody that's not me or Johnny today. But, Rachel, what are you seeing on Twitter?
3: I did see one fire somebody, and it was, of course, that was the only fire anybody uh, tweet that I saw. You guys touched on Quez Watkins. It is awful performance today. So there's a lot of people coming for him. I saw less Quez please. I saw I handed them the game. No more injuries. Bench Quez Watkins. Stop uh scheming Quez Watkins. So too many mistakes uh hurts would have won. A lot of people are like sorry Jason, uh let's use this as motivation. But majority of the um anger and frustration is definitely towards Donatin.
2: Yeah, I I may be coming across as overconfident now, but I've seen some fans saying they don't want this because of how bad we were today. Uh, I really want this in the playoffs now. I I don't care if it means the Cowboys win a wild card game. Like, we need this game in Lincoln Financial Field. It it needs to happen with Hurst back. Like, with a healthy team, and and I'm fingers crossed, Lane Johnson, there's nothing there. But I I want this matchup. I want this.
1: (laughs) I do feel so, like, I feel robbed in a year that both the Eagles and the Cowboys are so good and we have not got a starter versus starter game yet. Like, you know, the win at the link against Cooper rush, it's not that gratifying for Cowboys fans. I'm sure that the win tonight is not that gratifying, especially since they lost to Jacksonville last week. So it really doesn't move the needle for them to, to win the division and host a playoff game. It's just not that gratifying to beat a backup quarterback. And so I feel robbed that we haven't got the starter versus starter uh, matchup yet, but like Johnny said, that could very well be on the table in the playoffs. I uh, got a comment coming in on YouTube here. Chris asks, should we give Minshew another run against New Orleans? Uh, I think it depends entirely on Hurts. Uh, y- you do not put Hertz out there if he's not 100%. This team could, they could have beat, they should have beaten the Cowboys tonight with Minshew. Minshew is not the problem. Uh, do they win that game with Hertz? Probably, but Minshew is not why they lost. I, I I'm pretty confident that you go beat New Orleans with Minshew as your back or as your starting quarterback next week.
2: Yeah, I think it's pretty much as simple as that. If Hertz is fully healthy and he plays, um, this team should win. At the end of the day, we need to win one game. It's going to be really interesting actually to see how they manage Hurts, because. It does feel to me, and this is just based on everything you read, the same tweets that his injury is probably a little bit more severe. I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see into the playoffs. And five weeks off is a long time, but in a weird way, this game should give you a little bit of confidence that this offense can easily survive um, with Minshew. Um, he really did play well second half, so I think you absolutely give this to Minshew. I mean, they better win next week because you don't really want to go into the last week um needing a win and not sure if your quarterback's playing but
1: yeah especially against a division play. rival
2: yeah it's not really what you, I mean thank goodness that um Jags won last week like we said it last week but that was huge for this division that really was big um so I think you have to play him. If hurts is fully healthy, then of course you play him, but I don't think Hurst will be fully healthy. And even if Hurst is healthy, I think risk of re-injury, do you want him getting hit? Are you really going to play him and run him the way he needs to be used? There's a part of me that Hurst is a pretty cool guy. I mean, a very cool guy. I'm quite happy letting him rest up. And I don't think he's going to come back in like stressed or frantic. You, you saw him on the sideline today. He looks pretty chill with life. Um, so I'd be quite happy leaving him out for a while, if necessary.
1: If there's, I've gotten so used to watching Hurts that watching Minshew throw a deep ball, it's like, man, yeah, that ball takes forever to get where it's yeah. going. Like, I it's just my crazy that. And I knew, and I, and I even remember, I remember doing draft stuff when Gardner Minshew was coming out and thinking that his arm strength wasn't great and that sort of stuff. But you just forget. And not that Hertz is the strongest arm guy. He doesn't have a huge arm. But just the drop-off in velocity from Hertz to Minshew is just huge. Um, and, and I I forgot that. And, I mean, you saw it last year, like, in the Jets game and stuff. But I just forgot that until I was watching him play today. It's like everything just seemed to float and take forever. Yeah, I
2: hate um...
3: – And also, like, takeaway just from uh, Minshew – It was interesting seeing, like, in the beginning, you guys touched on him in the first half. He wasn't super accurate, and you saw how, like, his weapons, like his targets, they had to come up clutch when he wasn't putting the ball on the money. So, I mean, I don't think he looked awful, but that's, like, a big difference that we've seen when it comes to Hurts and his improvements. We saw that drop off with uh, Minshew today when it just came to ball placement.
2: I think, actually, this game pretty much reaffirms like how good Jaden Hurts is which is a really weird thing to say because the the offense was so good but forget stats sometimes that's are brilliant we use stats all the time watch, just watch the game the difference in pocket management from Hurts to Minshew and that's an area of Hurts is a weakness by the way at times but it's next level Minshew's always moving left and right he's very rarely static and calm um, arm strength is something that I've questioned and I hate it when people say arm strength doesn't matter Sorry, I'm not going to go on the rant here, but of course it does. Otherwise, Peyton Manning would still be playing. Like, he could obviously still read a defence. Of course, arm strength matters. And you can see a noticeable difference. Hertz has a lot more zip on the out, um, on sort of deep outs and stuff, and nothing against Minshew. His arm just isn't there. I mean, if you look at Minshew's, like, touchdown to interception ratio of his career, it's something like 40 to 12 or something ludicrous. It's, like, really good. But there's a reason why coaches have moved on from him, because... He's not talented enough to be a high-level starter. Hurts uh, is absolutely good enough to be a top five, top six quarterback in that top tier. And if anything, today just reaffirm that to me. So in a weird way, the offence performed like as well as it, it – really went about as possibly well as it could have today, realistically. Just the breaks didn't go our way and that happens. But, yeah, I think you're right to point out the difference in arm strength. That really is noticeable.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Well, uh, Rachelle, Johnny, do either of you have any final thoughts on the game that you need to to get off your chest before you move on with Rachelle Christmas Eve and Johnny Christmas Day?
3: (laughs) I mean, this was painful to watch, especially because of who it was to who the loss was to. But all we can do is put this behind us, use it as motivation. I'm not worried when it comes to the next two opponents. I think that that gives us more fuel, if anything. And so like we flush this one and we're on to the next
2: yeah my final thought is just bring me this game i i need this i need this rematch in my life that was frustrating as hell um merry christmas as it is now quarter past one here um but i need i i want this rematch i'll be disappointed if we don't get it all
1: right i am gonna have to have johnny on in the off season for a draft podcast where we can argue about arm strength sometime that might be a fun podcast but All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us. Uh, Those of you watching live on YouTube here on Christmas Eve, I hope you have a Merry Christmas. Those of you rage listening while you're driving to visit family on Christmas Day, we appreciate you guys, too. The Eagles fall to the Cowboys. Oh, I already closed my tab. What was it? 40 to 34. Uh, So the one seed will have to wait one more week uh, as the Eagles will get an extra day of rest here to prepare for the Saints in a game that is huge both for playoff seeding And for draft pick status after the Saints won today, Uh, our thoughts and prayers go out to Lane Johnson. we got to cross our fingers and hope that he is okay. Uh, But from me, from Rachel, from Johnny, from the Bleeding Green Nation crew, wish you guys a Merry Christmas, and we'll catch you next Sunday as we celebrate clinching the one seed against the New Orleans Saints.